is a very good afternoon. It's Niall Boynton with you for the next hour or so. Lots to get through. Don't forget, by the way, keep supporting us. We don't, we can't do it for free. We love, we love to do it for free. We love to work for free. It's very enjoyable working for free. But there comes a time where you say, ah, you know what I mean? It'd be nice for this to pay for itself. So please do support us. Go to our website, nileboylan.com. You can subscribe there. It's only the price of a pint of beer. That's all it is once a month. That's the least you could do is buy me a pint of beer for giving you this platform every single day, uncensored, to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And on many occasions, people will send us emails or WhatsApp messages at 85 to tell us what they would like us to talk about. And the one big thing that people want to talk about is immigration. It's easy for me just to do a topic on immigration and have 20 people on that will all say, Ah, oh, no, no, we've landed enough refugees. That's so easy to do because we could spend hours doing that every single day. But that's not the angle I want to take it from today. I think it's important that we look at every single angle. Apart from the fact that Pascal O'Donoghue has now said we're going to spend another billion on asylum seekers and refugees in the coming year. This is signed in the budget. And we've also got a situation in the UK. And we have to look at our neighbours and how they're handling immigration at the moment. Now, Suella Braverman, who is their Home Secretary, essentially their Roderick O'Gorman, I suppose, has basically come out and faced criticism after she... uh, said that international asylum system was no longer fit for purpose. She also went on the speech and she said that she feared this discrimination for gay people or women should not be enough to qualify you for refugee status. But the United Nations Refugee Agency, the UNHCR, rejected her calls for the rules to be tightened. She also went on to say that people were misguided when it came to multiculturalism. She said, uh, she went on to say, a misguided dogma of multiculturalism. Multiculturalism makes, m- makes no demands of the incomer to integrate. She said it has failed because people are, because it is allowed to fail because people uh, come to our society and live parallel lives. In other words, what she's saying is multiculturalism doesn't work. Let's have a quick listen to what she said. I think it's important that we actually hear what she said so we can put it into some sort of context. Uncontrolled immigration, inadequate integration, and a misguided dogma of multiculturalism have proven a toxic combination for Europe over the last few decades. I'm not the first to point this out. In 2010, Angela Merkel gave a speech in which she acknowledged that multiculturalism had utterly failed. And then French President Nicolas Sarkozy and British Prime Minister David Cameron echoed similar sentiments shortly thereafter. Multiculturalism makes no demands of the incomer to integrate. It has failed because it allowed people to come to our society and live parallel lives in it. They could be in the society, but not of the society. And in extreme cases, they could pursue lives aimed at undermining the stability and threatening the security of our society. We are living with the consequence of that failure today. You can see it play out in the streets all over Europe, from Malmo to Paris, Brussels to Leicester. It is 13 years since Merkel gave her speech, and I'm not sure that very much has changed since. Well, there you go. There's Suella Braveman, who's the UK Secretary, should I say the UK uh, Home Secretary, saying that as far as she's concerned, multiculturalism has failed. But has it? Do you believe multiculturalism has failed? We want to know what you think. The number, as usual, 85 And I'm joined by Ben Scallon from Gripped Media, who joins us today to talk about this. Ben, do you believe it's failed? Or is it a failed concept? 
I think not only do I believe it's failed, I think everybody who has actually experienced it on a wide scale, all the European leaders that uh, Braverman mentioned there, but from Angela Merkel in Germany to, you know, French leaders and so on, these countries on continental Europe that are far further down the uh, multicultural road than we are here in Ireland. They all seem to be of a unanimous view that this has been a failed policy. It's been socially disastrous. It doesn't work. It just leads to fragmentation and social problems, uh, which are extremely difficult to manage. And so it's only ourselves here in Ireland and countries like us that are living in cloud cuckoo land thinking that this is going to be a kind of utopia. But there are examples. I mean, Australia is a multicultural society. Brazil is a multicultural society. Uh, Canada, although Canada is a bit of a basket case in fairness, but Canada is a multicultural society. They seem to have worked reasonably well. Is it not more about, um, I suppose, class than culture? Because... I think we all welcome diversity when it comes to Ireland. You know, we have international companies here who are hiring people from all over the world, who are professionals, who come in through the visa process, and there's never been an issue where we don't see an issue. Whereas the where the issue arises is where we have individuals who, it's not that they're culturally different, but it's a class problem. Individuals who have poverty, individuals who have come from, uh, I suppose, not so much a culture, but a place where they had to steal because they had corrupt governments and they had to steal to survive. Uh, or they have a different view and aspect or, you know, outlook on life. It's more of a class problem, isn't it, rather than a cultural problem? Well, I think when we talk about multiculturalism, a lot of people conflate it incorrectly with just immigration in general. They'll say, oh, well, if you're against multiculturalism, then you're against the concept of immigration itself. And that's not true. These are two very different things, because so far as I'm concerned, the distinction we're talking about here is about numbers and the controlling those numbers in a very sensible way, which is why the countries you alluded to in Australia, for example, they're known for having a very rigorous immigration point system where they heavily vet every single person who comes in and it's all extremely orderly and controlled. And when you do it like that, of course, you can have positive outcomes that are that are reasonable for your country. But when you do it in a way that is... So, such a volume of people coming in willy-nilly from various parts of the world, wherever that happens to be, that makes it much more difficult for people to integrate. That's when you end up with the nightmare scenario that countries like Sweden are dealing with, where you've got just crippling ghettoization and little enclaves within the country, entire towns and villages and regions that are in no way culturally Swedish anymore. They've effectively just been transformed into little pieces of uh, the world, as it were. And that's that's not something that anybody but, wants. But isn't that a country. failure by a state not to implement the law properly or not to implement the law correctly you know, with individuals from different parts of the world? I mean, if you take America, which is a melting pot and has also been a very multicultural society, I mean, they wouldn't survive without illegal immigration. I know that sounds a bit counterproductive to say that, but if you take, and I've been to Florida many times, you know, Mexicans who pour into America on a daily basis, you know, they do the jobs that Americans won't do. You know, you will see them in construction, you will see them cutting the lawns on front gardens, you will see them fixing the roofs on houses all across Florida. So they'll do the jobs that Americans tend not to want to do. And the same thing happened in this country too, when we had people come in from other countries and here in Ireland, they do the jobs the Irish people don't want to do or seem to be feel they're above doing. So they, it is an important part of society too. And that's always been down to illegal immigration or immigration. 
Uh, I mean, that that's a theory that some people posit. I'm not sure how true that is. You you wonder if some of these jobs were available to younger people, teenagers and so on, who traditionally did these sorts of jobs. Uh, would that stimulate the economic libido of, of some younger people? And uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a given, but I would say you reference America there. America, I think, is another example of a country where multiculturalism has disastrously failed uh you know look at the amount of intercultural tension you have in places like new york like chicago these big big cities where there's nothing but um you know as i say ghettoization and and people deciding to self-segregate you know you're seeing a return of segregation in america but now it's on a voluntary basis where people are they feel so divided from other communities within their own city or their own town that they're saying i want to actually uh you know have a, mm. a, a, well a I, I i think america is probably a bad example that i gave anyway because america as we know is a melting pot and was was you know derived of course from multiculturalism i suppose better suggestions would be places like france i mean there are quite a number of people in france mind you they have had their own issues in france too and i know at one stage uh, the president of france kicked, kicked all uh, romas out of france because uh, he himself had said that there was a lot of criminality um, but that's only because they're a, they're a particular group or ethnic group that seem to have certain issues. But th there are numerous examples around the world, I'm not going to say it's perfect, you know, where it can work if indeed a government put into place and put steps in place um, to make it work. In other words, it can bring certain positive aspects to society as well that we learn from other people, we learn to accept, you know, minorities, etc., etc., if we just say no all the time, and, and we, the thing is, we can't say no because the horse is already bolted. So, you know, countries are not going to be able to say, well, no, we can't, we can't do that. I don't know, some countries in the world probably have. But, I mean, we have to just accept it. So the only way to accept it is to make it work. So is it possible to make it work? I think that all we need to do in order to address this issue is to say that anybody coming to live in Ireland or France or any of these countries that we're talking about has to assimilate to the values that we universally believe in as a society. So, for example, if you come from a part of the world where there is a very different attitude to the role of women in society and where women are not treated especially well, that's not something that we believe in here. And you, you cannot import those ideas to our country. If you want to come and live here, we can certainly talk about that. But step one is your acceptance of our fundamental principles when it comes to the the role of the government and the role you know the fact that we mutually respect every citizen of the country as an equal and so on and so forth i think that that is would overcome a lot of these issues that we're talking about but well, how do you do that i mean how how do you get around that how do you do that i mean how do you you know, go around and you know, and basically everybody that comes into the country, you want you sit them down and say, listen, here's a book on Ireland and here's what we do and here's our values when it comes to women, when it comes to society, when it comes to the law, when it comes to everything. You know, and you either have to agree with this or you don't agree. Well, they're just going to say, yeah, of course I agree with it. And then they go off and treat their wives badly. So, I mean, what I'm saying is I don't think you can change people's view of life. I think that, well, if, if you, first of all, for individuals, if, if they're very, very much committed to a, a radically different way of living, then that sort of answers itself. You know, if you're, if you're the one coming, applying to come live in Ireland and you have a very backwards view of, you know, women, just to use that example again, I don't know that we should be letting people like that into our country, quite frankly. So maybe that problem sort of works itself out. 
And for those who are willing to adapt and who are willing to change or who are uh, compatible with our way of thinking, then I just think we need to have a more rigorous uh, citizenship process, for example, in order to try and figure that situation out. Because my understanding is in order to live here, the, the criterion is extremely loose. It's really just a matter of living here for a certain amount of time and working or, you, you know, you maybe have to say an oath on the particular day that you're actually sworn in as a citizen. But there should be a much more uh, rigorous test that you have to go through. Uh, and, and obviously, we could uh, debate for hours about what that should entail. But I don't think that we should just be handing out citizenship like sweets to anybody who just kind of occupies. The well, there was the, there was a quite about. strict, from what I remember, there was a very strict criteria around citizenship that you must not have depended on the status of the social welfare system for at least the last five years. But that all seems yeah, to be abandoned you see, now. You see, that's that's economics, and I do, well, that's important. Certainly, we we want all of that, and that's all good. I think that culture is also very, very important. I don't think we should just view people as an economic unit and say, okay, well, this guy works and he has a job, and okay, that's that's great. But again, we're talking about what is what what values, what fundamental core beliefs does this person hold, and do they gel with what we are trying to to be as a country? You know, as a as a modern uh, pleasant country and and there's a lot of people around the world from ev every part of the world who have a variation of beliefs on all sorts of things so I think it's important that we just make sure that the people who come to live here share our values and I don't think that's that should be controversial. Okay. Is know? there a fear when it comes to multiculturalism and I've heard this many times and do you believe it's a problem of course because we live in a very different world now than we did 50 years ago we're not dancing at the crossroads anymore here in Ireland and playing the baron all the time so is there a genuine fear of losing our identity? And is that a problem? For many older people, of course, that is a real problem because, of course, they want to protect our identity and our sovereignty. But do you believe going forward in this new world that we live in, and it is a new world, it's a global world, the internet has made sure of that, do you believe that that's a huge problem, that we lose our identity or our I Irishness? Really do. Uh, my my grandmother was from Dominica. She's she's deceased now, as of a couple of years ago. But uh, she's from the Caribbean island of Dominica. That whole side of my family is Caribbean. My mother's Jamaican, and uh, she lived in the UK uh, for for most of my life. And so I would go over to visit her every year in Derby in in London or in England, should I say? And I remember distinctly every year I would go over the the you'd see a noticeable cultural change in the way the town and the area felt. It, it was starting to feel less and less like a, a, a British town, you know? And, and I think that's noticeable to somebody who comes to visit a place, but it's also noticeable to people who live in a place that you start to realize, hang on, I walk up my own street and I'm starting to hear less and less people speaking my language. I'm starting to you know, the, the practices and the cultural traditions that we engage in, they aren't uh, being as promoted nearly as much and so on. And I think that there's something about that that uh, is certainly worth discussing at a societal level. It's not unreasonable to, to be irked by that. And I think anybody would, regardless of where they were from. I don't think there's anybody who wants to feel like an alien in their own country or in their are own we, Are we just late to the party? 
Because realistically, you know, what's happening in Ireland now, and we see the objections with protests on a regular basis, is something that happened in Britain, you know, going back 40 years ago. So, I mean, are we just late to the party when it comes to, you know, the allowing people to come into our country? Because if I go back to even the, 90, the late 1980s or the mid-1980s, you know, if we recognise people culturally different by skin colour, for example, you know, Ireland was very much a white Irish country. You know, now, of course, Ireland is a mixture of all different colours, creeds, uh, cultures. We're seeing huge diversity. The census only came out yesterday with figures that one in ten people in Ireland are now non-Irish people. I think that figure is probably higher because you've got to remember the census was done before we had the situation with Ukraine, of course, and um, the increase in international people seeking international protection. So I think that census is probably outdated now already at this stage because that was carried out, what, three years ago now? Three years ago, I think it probably was. So do you do you, what the point I'm trying to make is, do you think that we're, because we're late to the party that it's more ignorance rather than racism and more, you know, that it's older people in society, people like me, maybe, um, who just don't want to accept it and we're just kind of saying, no, we want the old Ireland back. I, I think that it's, uh, there's an old expression, I don't know who first said it, but it's it goes that uh, smart people learn from their mistakes but wise people learn from the mistakes of others. And I think when you see a policy that was, has been tried in Sweden and it's failed, and it's been tried in France and it's failed, and it's been tried in Germany and Italy and everywhere else and it's failed, and then we come along and we go, hey, let's try and implement the same policy. I think that is the definition of insanity. And I don't think that a sensible country with sensible leadership would subject us to this failed experiment yet again and end up expecting to not step on the rake that everybody else has stepped on and admitted it. Again, nobody's going to accuse Angela Merkel of being some kind of far-right extremist. Nobody's going to say Emmanuel Macron or Suella Braverman or uh, any... Well, they have, well, they have accused... They have accused Suella Braverman. These are liberal people. They're global. They believe in globalization. And they have admitted on record this was a bad idea. We messed up and it was a mistake. And sure, the European Union, the, the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, is urging countries now across Europe to deport people who are found to be illegal, enforce your deportation orders, because if you allow somebody who's illegal to stay in your country, they can then travel to any other country within the EU. So it's a Europe-wide problem. And so she's actually cracking the whip and urging governments like our own to try and enforce our own laws. And we still just naively refuse to do it, walking headfirst into the catastrophe. Okay, well then, here's the, here, well, then here's the main question. And I asked this last night on the radio. We were talking about politics in general last night on the radio. And I asked this question. And it blows my mind that you've got, you know, seven of the most supposedly most intelligent people in the country running the country. There's seven important people there. And yet... We see, you know, Michal Martin talking about the increase in population. Pascal Donahue saying we're putting another billion in. Um, Leo Varadkar and the rest of them, and Simon Coveney, still kind of doing, you're all welcome. Um, although we did refuse to take a few there back in June when we had to pay a fine to the EU, which I don't believe we had to pay, but I think we paid it anyway. Um, why is it intelligent people, primarily men, are making decisions which everybody else, over 76% of the population, according to the Red Sea poll, believe is a bad decision, and doing damage to a society, why are they doing it then if it's so bad? 
it's an ideology you know it's not it's not about um it's not about thinking it through logically this isn't something that they've considered and pondered on and thought hmm i wonder i wonder what's the best thing to do in this situation they are committed to an ideology uh, 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 it's a philosophy of theirs that mass immigration is good free travel with no restrictions or very few restrictions is a great thing and multi multiculturalism is fantastic and all of this stuff is the bee's knees and so in order to go against that and reverse the policy and say no you know what we were wrong it will be to attack their entire uh, belief system and philosophy it will be heresy effectively so even intelligent people are totally ideologically possessed by this total and utter nonsense and that's why they can adopt for example climate policies that they can see are destroying the economy that's why they can adopt immigration policies that they can see are destroying the social but does that not sound mind-blowing that people that are responsible ideology but does that not sound mind-blowing that people who are responsible for the finances of the state and responsible for making the state successful and it's in their own interest to do that too because for their future careers as well it's in their own interest that they would do something that would be a dereliction of duty and quite reckless and and it is quite reckless what they're doing at the moment with taxpayers money but do you not think that for intelligent people to do that seems quite bizarre even if you it, say it, it is, is, it is some it sort is of. No, it is. It is bizarre, and and there's a lot of zealotry, I think, uh, in Irish society among the kind of political establishment, the uh, the 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 liberal establishment. That's why you see so many articles published by mainstream media uh, uh, publications that seem so crazy and out of whack to ordinary people. That get these publications totally ridiculed, like the fake tan article for example that we all saw uh that was the ai yeah that it turned out to be a hoax and everybody was making fun of them for that but they obviously the journalists who who signed off on that thought that it was a perfectly reasonable story and that's because they're completely and utterly out of touch with ordinary people they're living in a, a an ideological bubble where they don't consider anything pragmatically anymore they don't consider the the ramifications of what they're saying or doing it's just pure ideology and so i think so far as i'm concerned we need to get back to just grounded common sense and reality you know the normal ordinary observations that we can all see with our own eyes like the fact that uh you know if you open your borders to the entire planet earth you're probably going to run out of resources at some point and end up with some problems. I think a child probably could have told you that, but apparently our genius political and media establishment could not. Listen, Ben, I appreciate you coming out and talking to us again. Thank you very much indeed. Ben Scallon, Grip Media. Um, and we are opening the lines, of course, to you if you want to talk to us. Uh, the number, as usual, 85 55 That's 85 55 Take a quick seven-second break, and we should be back with you in a second. I have to organise all this myself. God bless me. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. But all through his life, they just keep telling him to shut up. But not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. The Niall Boylan Podcast. All right, welcome back. Now, let me go to David if I can. David, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall. David, I, okay, I don't want to ask about immigration per se, because that's an easy question to ask, as I said already. So Suella Braveman of the UK says multiculturalism doesn't work. Do you believe multiculturalism works? 
Uh, no, I have to say, I, I don't think it does. And it especially doesn't work with the kind of numbers that we're dealing with at the moment. You know, integration can work, you know, when you control the numbers, but multiculturalism, I just, I just don't think it works. But there are examples around the world, and there are examples right here in Ireland. If we leave aside asylum seekers and leave aside Ukraines for the moment and go back three years ago, and you've multinational companies in this country who employ people who come to Ireland through the visa process, the proper process, who are educated people, doctors, nurses, uh, tech people who work in the tech industry from all corners of the world, all colours, all creeds, all cultures, and there's no issue. You know, I mean, it, I suppose Ireland was pr- pretty much isolated for many, many years. It's only in the last 20 years we've seen this diversity and this change. That hasn't caused a problem. But yet when we talk about Ukraines or we talk about uh, asylum seekers or people seeking international protection from, uh, say, for example, uh, Africa or whatever it is, we say that multiculturalism doesn't work. So is it about, is it about class? I, you know, this is what I said to Ben. Is it not about where, it's not about where people come from or what, what their background is. Or just, it's about class, isn't it? I don't know. I still think it's down to the numbers. Like what you're saying is correct. But if you think about going back 10 years or so, like it would have been a lot smaller numbers of people that were coming in. You know, that kind of, there wouldn't have been this huge surge that we have at the moment. So it's you about know, it's I, about numbers I, and not and basically not I suppose I watching out for what we're actually doing. In other words, you know we're not regulating it properly. Is the point you're making? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, like I my my next door neighbor neighbor he's from Morocco. As I say, he's here twenty odd years. He's got a mortgage just like me. You know what I mean? He bought a house. You know he's 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 as integrated as you can be, and he's also you know he's what what's his state Islam as I say. So he's He's integrated, but he has his own his own ways as well, you know. So, well, I mean, what Ben, what ben was so. saying there, what Ben was saying is that okay, he's he's his, he's um, a follower of Islam, but Ben was saying, for example, if people come to Ireland, no matter what their religion or their culture happens to be, they should have to adopt Irish morals. In other words, there are cultures around the world that he mentioned that don't treat women properly. Um, and when they come to Ireland, that they have to accept that they have to treat women properly. So is it fair to say to somebody, you must adopt our culture? Because Irish people went to America, and many of them, by the way, um, live in pockets all over America of Irish communities, and I'm sure they still have their Irish cultures. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it's, there's certain extremes. Like, I know the whole thing with, you know, women being second-class citizens and things like that and having to cover up and things like, I just, you know, it's, I don't know if it, it, well, I suppose most people look at it and they just say, okay, but if it really came down to it, there's not a lot of people that really agree with us in Ireland. So what's the answer at the moment? And why do you think, and this is a question nobody seems to be able to answer, intelligent men, and it's primarily men who are running this country, are continuing to allow people to pour into Ireland unregulated, even though the majority of people in the country have said, stop. Why do you think they're doing it? I honestly, I, I, I think it's madness. I, I know they could be thinking of in some way of the 30, 40 years time when we need so many people for, what is it, for the, to yeah. pay all the pensions. As this I was going to say, yes, the, C- the, the, the latest statistics from the CSO yesterday actually released show that Ireland's population is aging. So we have a lot more people mm-hmm. now over the age of 65. 
So that's a problem for the government in the future, as you rightly said, It's a, because we have a lot of people in and around the same age, if you know what I mean. So it's a huge problem for the government because a lot more people are going to be looking for pensions and a lot less people working to pay for those pensions. But the problem is the vast majority of people who are coming seeking international protection, for example, at the moment, from what we can see, you know, are, you know, just laborers. So they're never going to be in a situation paying a lot of tax in this country. No, no, they're not. It's, it's, it's as I say, it's, it's absolute madness. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know how, like, the whole thing about the passports and them getting off the plane, somehow when they get on the plane, there's a passport that's checked by the airlines and somehow when they get off, there's no passport. Mm. Yet nobody seems to be getting fined. There's, it's just accepted. You know, it's crazy. Well, it would have never happened 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, thank you, David. Let me just go to John as well. John, hi, how are you? Good afternoon, how are you? Good afternoon, John. It, um, it's not so much asking about immigration, although the two topics are intertwined, if you know what I mean. It, it's yeah. more about multiculturalism in general. Does it work? Well, the controlled multiculturalism, like, but if you just open the doors and let everybody in and swamp the place, I was in town now, on Sunday night, and normally Sunday night is quieter than Saturday night and Friday night in Cork City Centre, and it was extremely busy. And I'll be honest with you, I went into one uh, supermarket, right, one of the cheaper supermarkets, and I said there was maybe three or four of us that were cop people inside there, right? Everyone else was from outside of the country. I then walked out and down onto the Grand Parade, down onto Patrick Street, where it was met with wave after wave of different nationalities. On that particular night, on Sunday night, I actually felt like a bloody stranger in my own city. Now, and and I, know, I, know, I, I understand that. And for somebody like us, John, of the older generation, that can be oh, quite... Yes, a, the older generation. Okay. Yeah, well, look, that, that's a little bit sad, I suppose, because we look back at the Ireland it once was. But do we not have to accept, and I'm just giving the counter-argument, that Ireland has moved on? that we're now becoming very much like Canada, America, many other countries around the world where you walk down the streets and not everybody originates from the same place. Well, I, look, I have no problem with people coming here that genuine people that want to walk, or people that are, that are genuine asylum seekers fleeing for their life. But unfortunately, like, I mean, as you said, the traitors Martin and the traitor Veracca, right, and the traitor Ryan and the traitor Schinner, who's going along with everything, Mary Lou McDonald, they seem to be just letting people come in here, like, with no documentation, that no control on the figures for a small country. You cannot change the dynamics. If you want people to be accept, accepting, you have to control the numbers. You can't swamp the place and keep swamping and keep swamping. That won't work. Simple as that. And that will cause resentment, which will cause racism. And there, look, we've had a lot of quite profile models here, in the last couple of years, they haven't been Irish and they've been savage and we know the type of culture and why the crimes are committed. And, and, and you, you are right, absolutely. We've had high-profile cases of people being savagely attacked or murdered, as yeah. the case may be, uh, you know, by people who have come to this country. And, and hopefully justice will be served and they will spend a long time in jail and as soon as they get out of jail, if they ever do get out of jail, they should be booted royally out of the country and back to where they came and from. But, 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 but hang on, it's fair to say when you have a population increase and when you have a lot of people in a country, you know, there is a percentage of people who are going to commit horrible crimes, be they Irish or non-Irish. I mean, we, we've had Irish people commit horrible crimes too, you know. Oh, of course. But the thing is, you see, they're starting to dictate as well. You can see what happened in England. You know, 
just passed but they want to bring in Sharia law that was shut down. Yeah, well, that, well, that should never be acceptable. That, that, that should never no, be no, acceptable. No, 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 yeah. But, like, you you had, I, I don't know the body mentioned, I won't bother mentioning her name, but she, she was on um, a radio station there before she had a segment there. And she objected to the Angelus because she said the Catholic Church, uh, no, this one came over here and got a job here now, and she, she, she was a lesbian, married to another woman. And she said that she didn't like the Angelus, she should be taken off TV, right? Or Angelus, sorry, or culture. Yeah. Because the Catholic Church didn't recognize her or her partner as the girls they're living together, their marriage. Well, well, that, well, yes. that, well, yeah, but that's her opinion, and she's entitled to her opinion. No, 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 but the, the point is, she came from Pakistan. If she really wants to make a change, how long do you think she'd last walking down the road? Hold, she can hold her, her partner's yeah, hand and walk down cops. Absolutely. The yes, we are a very tolerant country, and you're right, and some people come from countries that wouldn't be as tolerant. I accept that. But in relation to her comments about the Angels, she can take it or leave it. It's just her comments. It's just her opinion. You can just ignore it if you want to. No, the point is, I said, like, we're accepting her here. No, we accepted her and we accepted her mm. and, and the same sex marriage of her last. But here she is in commenting on our culture. Yes, she can't walk down the street with her girlfriend in Pakistan, but she can here. And then she's making comments on our culture like the Angelus. Okay, all right, okay. Let, well, let me go. Stay there, John. Let me go to LA if we can. LA, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Good. Do you believe that multiculturalism works? Can we all live in peace and harmony? Well, I would have believed that. And, um, you know, as a child growing up in the 80s, I loved the idea of the Benetton, United States of Benetton, you know. I remember that, yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very colourful. Yeah, and it seems lovely that we'd all be sharing all the different countries and cultures and it'd be wonderful because different foods and different clothes and everything. So it's always kind of for it. And I'd still be for it if it was controlled, right? But... Too many red flags are coming up. Um, the COVID lockdowns, the mosques were open, the Catholic church were shut. Um, there seems to be a problem. Um, some of these people coming in have a problem with, to say, the, the large Christ um, cross in the classrooms, right? And stuff like that. So it kind of raises a few red flags. And then when you see um, what you're hearing, that there's undocumented military age men starting to flood in, then you're seeing videos of them acting very badly. Now, the thing about that is, when an Irish man commits a horrendous crime, his name, where he's from, and his age arrives in the paper. But when it seems to be these foreign nationals coming in and they've committed a crime, their faces are snubbed out, everything's hidden to protect their identity, and we're not really allowed to know who they are. So uh, that's another big red flag. And my other big red flag then is like a lot of those uh, politicians in Leinster House, they have properties and they're making money. So Well, I'm well aware of that, yeah. I, yeah, and I heard this morning now, I'm not sure 100%, and apparently it came from a government source, the 33rd doll, are going to be suspending uh, elections. Now, if that's true, I think we should have, uh, it's time to have a conversation about a mass well, no, they, well, the election has to happen next year, as far as I'm aware. And they, I don't, yeah, think, I don't think they, I don't think they can suspend an election unless we're in the middle of the only time an election, as far as I know, legally under the constitution can be suspended is if we're in a state of emergency. But are they working under their constitution? Because I, as far as I can see, an awful <laughs> lot of them have been broken. So, but, but, it, but here's the thing. If what's happening is such a bad thing, um, and according to many people it is, that, you know, we're letting too many people into the country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why are they doing it? And this is a question I keep asking people, but I money. just don't get a good answer. Money. But it's not about money. It's money. cost. No, but hang on. It's costing money. So it's not about money. 
they don't they don't get a bonus at the end of the month the politicians for letting more people well, what about in. The so EU so grants? who's 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 well we're getting grants but it's not going to cover the cost. Mm, we, we've done Pascal Donahue who just had to assign another billion euro out of Irish taxpayers' money to accommodate refugees and asylum seekers. Yes, the day before yesterday. You know and why I mean? not the homeless? Well, I, I will argue the same thing. Absolutely, yes. We, we've had a crisis here for the last 10 years. Yeah, well, I say a lot of people would be uh, delighted with multiculturalism if we had housed our own people first and looked after our own first, of course, because the Irish were never racist. The Irish were never homophobic. I, the Irish people were are amongst the first of slaves. And the, we were first to vote the gay marriage. So, and now we're getting called all these names that we're just simply not. We're just. Do you think there's a kind of protection that. mechanism in Ireland, um, you know, of people wanting to keep our Irishness? And sadly, we're seeing, like most countries in the world, the world is becoming some sort of global village, a diverse village. Do you think this? It's because the Irish people, we were the kind of last to the table when it came to this kind of thing. Because as I mentioned already, when I was a kid in school, you know, there was there was there weren't people from other countries. That just wasn't the thing. You know, we were all Irish, and that was it. Um, so we were kind of last to the table when it came to multiculturalism. We were last to the table when it came to diversity. So do you think it's because we're trying desperately to protect it? I mean, I, I think that's a 50-50 thing, you know, 50% of Irish probably would and 50% wouldn't. Because look at, you have all the likes of uh, Paul Murphy running these protests with refugees are welcome here and everything, you know. Mm. And then you have the other protests with people that feel they're patriotic to their country saying they're not welcome here because we're seeing the, the, the videos and the footage coming in and I, I wouldn't even say it on, on, on radio Um what they're doing, you know. Mm. I, I, I've seen these videos. And just no, I've seen them. I've seen some of the videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, and some of them are absolutely horrendous. But some of the videos that I've seen are outright right racism. I'm, and and, and I, I will be fair, and I'll say yes. Some of the videos I've seen of people who have come to Ireland and the way they speak to women, treat women, or abuse women are—it's disgusting, absolutely disgusting. But I've also seen videos of individuals who make some of these videos, put out videos that are just clear racism, and they're trying to incite problems. But, but do me a favour, stay there for a second if you can. I've got to take a very quick break. I'll be with James now in about seven seconds. Is that right? Yeah, about seven seconds. The Nile Boylan Podcast. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text Ireland on 085 100 2255. Did I say that too fast? Slow it down. <laughs> that was me trying to do the effect. <laughs> okay, five one hundred double two double five. The Nile Boylan podcast. All right, welcome back. We want to get your thoughts and your opinions. By the way, don't forget it's oh eight five one hundred twenty two fifty five. Let me go to James. James, hi. How are you? James, you there? Oh, is LA still there? Have I lost everybody again? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to give everybody back there again. Okay, you can send us a text or a WhatsApp, as I said, it's 87 The reason we're talking about it today is because of that clip, by the way, that I mentioned earlier on from Suella Braverman. Uh, let's just play the clip again in case you missed it. Uncontrolled immigration, inadequate integration, and a misguided dogma of multiculturalism have proven a toxic combination for Europe over the last few decades. I'm not the first to point this out. In 2010, Angela Merkel gave a speech in which she acknowledged that multiculturalism had utterly failed. And then French President Nicolas Sarkozy and British Prime Minister David Cameron 
echoed similar sentiments shortly thereafter. Multiculturalism makes no demands of the incomer to integrate. It has failed because it allowed people to come to our society and live parallel lives in it. They could be in the society, but not of the society. And in extreme cases, they could pursue lives aimed at undermining the stability and threatening the security of our society. We are living with the consequence of that failure today. You can see it play out in the streets all over Europe, from Malmo to Paris, Brussels to Leicester. It is 13 years since Merkel gave her speech, and I'm not sure that very much has changed since. There you go, that's the UK Home Secretary, Suella Braverman. Uh, quite brave in saying that because she's been criticised all over the internet and by many people in the UK for saying, well, what she believes is the truth. James, hi, how are you doing? Afternoon, T. Niall. Uh, James, is it the truth? Has multiculturalism uh, failed? It is, Niall, it is. Look, um, you know, you drive around certain parts of Dublin, Niall, and you see all these little enclaves of people. Like, you go around places like, say, Dorset Street, the bottom around Dorset Street and the bottom of the North Circle Road is now affectionately known as Little Roma. There's no Irish people there. Everywhere you look, you're seeing young Roma girls go around. They're all in their mid-20s. They've got five or six kids hanging out of them. They're literally breeding like like rabbits, Niall. I mean, they're five, six. I seen one, one that stuck out one in my mind one day. I was sitting at the lights. Girl walked across, mid-20s. She had five children and was pregnant. So I literally mean, have one after another. And you can actually see... Yeah, the there are, there are Irish people that have five children too, by the way. Can I just point out? Now, I know the average is probably two to three children in this country per family. That was years ago, Niall. Now, like, well, I, I, absolutely. I different, culturally, you are right. People from different countries around the world um, culturally have different amounts of children because of their views on contraception, etc., etc. And I accept that. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, I have to describe that. But anyway... Look, it doesn't work. Well, what, well, what, is, what is the other reason they're having loads of kids? Because they're getting benefits left, right and centre. Now, more kids, bigger house, more benefits. That's literally what's coming down. Like, as, as we're talking, and it was a Mark, Mark McSherry who said yesterday, um, he asked the question in the doll, why are the Ukrainians coming here? And it's, it's down to the fact that they're getting more money. Yes, well, I, I'm well aware of that, and and you know, and people, are Ukrainians who have moved to different countries around Europe, are now trying to get to Ireland because they get a better deal here. Of course, of course, and what the only way now that's going to be stopped with the numbers coming, and don't get me wrong, I'm anti-war. I want this war finished, like every other person in the world, as soon as possible. But the simple fact is this: at the moment, Ireland is doing well financially wise, and it, it doesn't really affect people money wise. But they've already talked about the fact that our Corporate tax is down by a billion this year. It'll be down by three billion next year and then five billion the following year. So when you have less money and the same people, if not more people, looking for them as the same resources. People some people have this whole thing of this far right in Ireland. No, we don't have a far right in Ireland. Oh, we do. This, this is a no, there, is, there, is no, a, we don't. there is a far right and there is a far left as well, no, by the way. Not. Well, James, there is a far right and there is a far left. There are people out there who have views. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong, I lean to the right. I'm certainly a conservative. I don't deny that. Um, but there are people out there who have views that I would consider to be extremely racist, extremely dangerous, and they incite violence and hatred. There absolutely is. Well, and, well, my, and by the way, I would, to be fair, there's people on the other side, on the left, who are equally as bad. 
the media now would consider me far right for what I've just said to you. Well, you're not, no, you're, no you're, you're right-leaning, and that's fair, fair enough, are you? but you're not far I right. I am right-leaning. I always have been, and I always will be. But the, the, the media, the mainstream media, if you want to call them that, will deem me as, oh, he's far right. He doesn't want... Now, I meet people now, probably, you know, as I drive a taxi, probably 40 or 50% of my clientele during the day are non-Irish nationals, if you want to call them that. Most of them have come here. They're working, they're either paying rent or they've got mortgages, and they contribute both financially and socially to the Irish. Well, then, can I ask you a question? You've just told me that multiculturalism doesn't work, but yet you're telling yeah. me that the majority of your customers in the taxi are non-Irish, in other words, they don't originate from this country, and everything is fine, and you get on well with them, and they get on well in society because they're working. So what because I'm saying to you is... Well, they've integrated. Well, then, well, then it's, well, then it's not about culture. Funny. Well, then it's not actually about culture. It's about the types of people. In other words, it's all right if somebody comes from Africa. It's all right if somebody comes from Pakistan or India or whatever it is, as long as they're not lower class, as long as they're not unskilled workers. In other words, that's where Maybe you believe the problem is. Yeah, I, I think, and I think, I, I think Ben Scanlon touched on that as well. If you look at the majority of people who have come here, you know, as refugees or international protection agencies, which is the fluffy new name, the vast majority of them will never do a day's work in their life. And what they will do is they will just suck from the tit of the economy for years. And then eventually, like they're already now talking about that we have a pension problem now. You And you also mentioned the fact that the Irish population is getting older. They're now talking about having um, mandatory contributions for your own pension now, as in, they're going to force you to take a pension by things, but by twenty twenty five, yeah, twenty eight, yeah. So, so now what's going to happen is, you're going to have more people paying more money to pay for these pensions, and yeah, you're going to have more people drawing from the tea, as in people who have never contributed anything financially. So, like as I said, Niall, these, these, and again, I'm sorry for the people who you know the situation that's going on in Ukraine, but a lot of them have taken advantage of it. A lot of them have, and probably the vast majority of them. I, I, I would agree with you to some extent, and I think we should be doing what Britain did uh, when it comes to Ukrainian refugees. And um, what Britain said is, we will support you for six months. In other words, we'll accommodate you, we'll support you for six months. But after that, you're just like any other British citizen, you're on your own. You either get a job or you go on social protection and you go to the system the ordinary way. In other words, you don't automatically have a medical card. You don't automatically get accommodation in a four-star hotel. You are on your own. And, and, and I, think, I think that's fair. Well, some of them, yeah, absolutely. And some of them now are cribbing that they now have to start paying for their own meals. I know, I, I, I did hear that. I did hear that girl on the radio whining because she didn't like the food. And I, I think a lot of people kind of said at the time, hold on for a second, don't be ungrateful either. Okay, we'll stay, we'll stay yeah. there for a second. Let me go to Malachi and I want to go to Stephen as well. Uh, Malachi, hi, how are you? Good afternoon, Mal. Uh, Malachi, uh, multiculturalism, not, in, not immigration as such, but multiculturalism in general, do you believe it works? It or was Suella Braveman wrong to say that? No, it, it doesn't work. And if you look at any country where they try to impose it, it hasn't worked. And, you know, you're, you were comparing there earlier um, Ireland to Britain and that. In Britain, France, Spain, and all of the old um, conquering powers who went around the world pl uh, plundering and pillaging, and destroying countries, in a sense, they're getting payback for, for what they've done to other countries. But we were never in that uh, um, sphere. We were actually dominated and controlled and occupied by, by those imperialistic powers. So we don't owe a debt to these people. But there are, but there are countries and in the world where multiculturalism has been a reasonable success. I, I was going to mention oh, Canada, oh, but okay. Brazil, yeah. well, Australia. Canada, just totally Australia, not so much. Canada is probably now 
under Trudeau, one of the worst countries in the world for woke well, liberalism. But, well, I wouldn't disagree with you on that part. But, 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 but look at look at those countries, those bigger co- continents, uh, like, like Canada, America, Australia. They were vast countries which were conquered by, by the Western powers who then needed populations to go into them. Now, people went to America from Ireland and they assimilated into the society that was there. Now, they obviously kept their own ethnic roots, but it didn't dominate. You mean, you had your Irish clubs, for instance, but it didn't override the fact that they were now American or their, and their children were American or that they were Australian. But Maliki, hang on, I'm sorry to interrupt you, so I have loads of people to go to, but James mentioned a minute ago, you know, uh, up around uh, North Circular Road, all you can see is Romas, right? Fair enough, I'm not familiar yeah. with the area. And Parnell Street, for example, it seems to be quite a, a lot of African people living in Parnell Street and up yeah. around that area. But if you go to America and say go to Chicago or New York, you'll see Irish communities. Communities tend to stick together. That's quite normal in society. But, but that, you see, if when you go to America, you become American and you assimilate your culture into theirs. And obviously you keep your own culture within your own community, but it's not separate. Look at the latest nonsense coming from uh, Catherine Martin, for instance, in relation to the um, boxing stadium on, on, on uh, South Circle Road, where there's a Christian church holds some functions there. And they're being told now that if organisations do not throw in behind the gender stuff and accept things that they may not want to accept, they will not be allowed host events in venues that receive public funds, right? Mm-hmm. We're moving very quickly to a totalitarian regime. This is communism by the back door. Okay, well then you answer the question that I'm asking everybody today. If it's such a bad thing, it's costing such an amount of money, which is, and Pascal only put another billion into the pot uh, the day before yesterday uh, to accommodate refugees and asylum seekers and people seeking international protection. If, if this is such a bad thing and such a bad plan, why are they continuing to do it? They're intelligent men, I because assume. Because the political, they're not, well, they're intelligent, yes, and nobody should take them for fools and they know exactly what they're doing. But what we have in Ireland now is an NGO and political class whose loyalty is not to this nation. It's to the globalist agenda. It's to the European Union. It's to the UN. It's to all of these other entities. And they actually despise Irish nationalism. They despise everything we stand for. But, but is, 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 is there not a time, and I, I know you're a Republican, right? and that's fair enough. But do we not have to have to accept, you know, we're a bit older, it's a bit more difficult for us to understand and accept it, right? Because we've lived in this country for so long and we lived in a country that wasn't really that diverse up to the last 20 years. Is it not a time where we have to say, as I said earlier on, we're late to the party, late to the game, you know, that the world has become this global village of diversity and we just have to accept that Ireland is going to change? No, we don't have to accept anything now. We're being continually told that we must accept all of this nonsensical stuff. We're told we must accept that a man can be a woman. You know, we're told to deny, on one hand, we're told to accept the science, and on the other hand, we're told to totally ignore it. You know, these people are totally and fixated Well, you're, well, you're on conflating two different, well, you're conflating two different topics. I know, I know you're referring to NGOs and NGOs running the country, and I completely agree with you. I'm being told, the point I'm making is now, we're being told on one hand, to believe the science in relation to, to climate. And the cli- science certainly doesn't say what they want to, to do with this fear and, and destruction. All of these things are 
are interlinked, Niall. And what they is, want is, to it do all, is it also not a case that the Irish government have a huge concern over the fact that our population, according to the CSO figures out yesterday, is aging considerably? And, you know, over the next 10 years, it's even going to, our population will age even more and that we need young blood, essentially. Is, is that well, not well, firstly, well, then the first thing you don't do is bring in legislation to murder your children before they're born. Well, you bring in family... You bring Maliki, in family. you're bringing in a million issues. Just deal with the issues one by one, right? And I understand the point you're making, but don't bring abortion into it as well. No, well, there's 36 thousand potential taxpayers that have been killed since okay. we brought in okay. that legislation. Okay. Right? Maliki, I'm asking you a question. Is that not one of the reasons, similar to the way that what happened in Germany, they had an aging population, okay. so they welcomed what refugees? What, are, what Victor Orban doing in his country? He's saying that we need to rebuild the family. In Ireland, they want to destroy the family because they want to actually destroy the basis of society. And they want to have individuals who have no loyalty to this country or to this nation. And if you want to increase the population, what you do is you make family... Um, friendly policies. You, you say, for instance, that a woman who wants to rear her children at home and stay there should be given the same opportunities as somebody who goes out to work. What you do is, and you go back to, to when you... Okay, and, and, and I, I can't go into it too deep, I don't have the time, but you always say, I, well, I know where you're going. In other words, you uh, decrease childcare costs, you give tax credits for having children, uh, you do all of those things to encourage the family. I get you. Stay there, Maliki. Let me go to Stephen. Now, hold on, let me just remind people of this. When you, I think probably when you started, when your children were young, you got a tax credit mm -hmm. for um, each child. Yes. They've done away with that. Yet if you're on welfare, you get an increase. So people are not encouraged to have children outside of the welfare system. Okay, stay there for a second. Let me go to Stephen. Stephen, well, well, hang on, hang on. Stephen, hi, how are you? Good. Um, Stephen, you're okay. better than some of the people calling in. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I don't. I didn't want to talk about immigration per se, although a lot of people were on at me about the billion quid they're now going to put into it again. But I want to talk about multiculturalism because Suella Braverman. That's another billion quid on top of the other billions. Okay. Right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Hang on, Maliki. Uh, Suella Braverman of the UK has been criticised, Stephen, for what she said about multiculturalism, um, and that was the obviously the conversation I want to have today. You know, I do believe that multiculturalism worked uh, up to a point, but in the last four years, we've seen a huge problem. So is it not just about multiculturalism? It's more about class, really, isn't it, Stephen? I don't know if it, I don't know if I'm kind of capable or if the if the links between multiculturalism and class are as big a deal as I don't know. I don't know. I don't get the point that you're. No, well, to no, make, no. Well, the so point. Okay, let me give you the point. So Muhammad comes from India, and he's hmm. a tech expert. And he comes yeah. here because Dell have employed him and he comes on a wa visa waiver or he comes to be a doctor or, or a nurse or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, multiculturalism seems to have worked because we never had an issue. But when we have people who come who don't have jobs, who would be unskilled, for a better word, um, coming from all corners of the world, we seem to have an issue. In other words, it's not really about where they're coming from. It's about the type of people. It's about what they're going to do when they get here. Yes, kind of, kind of a thing. Well, okay, that kind of, that kind of, that kind of point of view seems to make a little bit of sense in the sense that ideally anyone that's coming to the country outside of asylum seekers, refugee, uh, refugees, and people seeking international protection should be coming to contribute to to society. I have no problem with that. I actually think it's a good idea, and I do think a lot of the Australian kind of way of doing things is a very good way to do it. But that doesn't mean that you then exclude anybody that is coming under the other three categories that I mentioned. 
you know, the the idea that society would support people in international protection for a limited amount of time, granted, uh, until they establish and can integrate into society is a good thing because it gets them to establish their feet on the ground and gets them an understanding of where they are and what they can do. Mm. And then they go off and get jobs and, and, you know, their kids go to school and things like that. And that's already happening with Ukrainians and they're only here a year or more, you know. So, and it's always been happening. Are there always going to be people that um, end up staying on social welfare for longer? Sure. There's a, a couple million Irish people doing that as well, mm-hmm. you know. So, But can people from different cultures... Okay, well, when we look around the world, you know, most of the problems that we see happening in relation to racism and everything else happen because people have different cultural views in the world. And I suppose Ben Scallon mentioned earlier on, for example, people who might come from the Middle East have a different view of women. Um, You know, obviously women are treated as second-class citizens in many of these countries. So when somebody comes to Ireland, uh, you know, for a better life or whatever it happens to be, they still have that same view of women, which is unacceptable in our society. In other words, what he's saying is, if you want to live in Ireland, you have to accept our views, our values, and everything that goes along yeah. with it. And if you don't, go and, home. And by and large, the majority of them do. But multiculturalism and integration is a two-way process. We have to welcome these people in and learn about them and understand them, while also them understanding and learning about us. That's what integration is. It's not assimilation, which is what Gallen was talking about. But does it you know, work? But does it work when you, when, when you see here in Ireland? And James mentioned earlier on, sort of North Circular Road as Parnell Street, or and you see pockets of people from different nationalities yeah. living in the same communities. You know, that's not yeah. really integration, is it? Well, it's not assimilation either. It's it. it you're, you can say the same thing about pockets of working class people. You know, I'm in an area of North Dublin where there is extreme deprivation, still classes, extreme deprivation, right up against the area where I live, which is slightly better off, but only slightly if you look at, you know, the number of people going to third level or whatever it is, or the average household income. You know, it's it's all of these little, this, these things, and we live right beside each other, and we get on with each other. You know, it's it's not this them and us thing. It can't be this them and us thing. Otherwise, the, the, the actual integration doesn't actually happen, because they keep going, well, Mohammed won't, you know, allow his wife to go outside without wearing a, a head cover or something like that. You know, that's fundamentally anti-Irish or whatever other shite you want to talk about. You know, mm. this this great replacement theory is a load of shite in mm. the sense that all of them, all of the immigrants are coming in and they're going to replace us and we won't be an Irish well, country well, When you say it's a load of shite, it's, there, there's a level of fact about it as well. Because we clearly can see that the Irish population are getting older. I'm absolutely sure that if you were in finance within the government, you must have concerns about how we're going to pay pensions in 10 or 15 years' time when we don't have enough young people working. Uh, And the same thing happened in Germany, and they openly admitted that they let that many refugees into Germany because their population was getting older. So Mm. that isn't, in fact, a level of population replacement. Number one, we have have a pension problem because we spent the pension pot the Back in 2009, yeah, but, but no, but that, that's not the only reason. The other reason is, too, is because when but, you look at the ratio of older people versus okay. younger people, and our family yeah, sizes are getting smaller. Family sizes are getting smaller, people are waiting longer to have kids, and, um, you know, the, the quality of jobs aren't as good as they used to be, the pay hasn't risen in line with inflation. Also, oh, what was the other point I was going to make? Come, it'll come back to me when I'm, okay. when I'm not thinking about it. 
you know, there are all of these problems that then create this bigger thing and get used. But, but then, but then don't say going, that. Well, it's a migrant's problem. But then, but then don't write off population replacement because that is actually a fact. And many countries will admit to that. It's not replacement, but they do need to it's substitute. But they do need to substitute the lack of population by bringing people into the country. And we're well aware of that. That's not, it's not a secret. There, there are countries inviting Irish people all over the world to do the exactly the same thing. Okay, well, well, do me a favor. Stay there for a second, Stephen, because I want to go to Tony as well. Hang on. Uh, Tony, hi, how are you? Good afternoon, Noel. How are you? Good, Good. Tony. Uh, you know, Stephen is kind of live and let live, like, you know what I mean? And and I kind of agree now, with him. Stephen's also making a statement there, and he think he said, uh, uh, but just like, but that there's a couple of million Irish people living off social welfare as well. No, there's not. Well, no, there wouldn't, there wouldn't, no, no, there wouldn't be a couple of million. No, there's, there's about five percent of the population um, who, who never have worked. Straight away. Yeah. All right. Like, there's no problem with people coming here to work. I don't think the vast majority of Irish people have no problem, have no problem at all with people coming here to work. But it's people, but it's the people that's coming here to spend the rest of their life on social welfare and get handouts. That's the problem. But how do we know that? How do you, when somebody comes into a it's country, how do you know that? It's been shoved down their throats. I'll tell you how we know that now. I'll tell you how we know that now. Because you said, oh, the Irish are the last on the bus and the last ones to get, uh, with just like all this big immigration. All we have to do is look at other countries in Europe. And not one country has it worked in. It hasn't worked in a single country. Has it worked in France, Germany, Sweden, Belgium? No, it hasn't. And how hasn't it worked? What's the problem? Well, well Stephen, all you got to do, all you got to do, well, hang on, Stephen, with the greatest respect, all you got to do is read the news in relation to the problems they've had with immigration and refugees in many other countries around Europe. And it's, it is a kind of case of let's all do the same thing and see if, see if the result is different. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you can't, you can't keep making the same mistake. And health and business and everything, so that you're not making a very good point. But my question is, how has it worked? It seems, so been quite, it seems to have been quite fine up until the last five, six, ten years, maybe. It seems to have been quite fine. Nobody had a problem with Mohammed living next door to them and fucking Boris and living no three doors down from him. And I have no problem if he goes to work. And I have no problem if he's coming here to go to work. I no problem. And what's the and problem the with Irish majority. people spending their entire lives on social welfare? Or is it's, it the same thing? It's a horrible thing? way to live your life. It's a horrible way. I've been working since I was 14 years old, and I'm still working. Mm-hmm. But so well, I've been working since I was 15. Wait, wait, yeah. Well, hang on. Also, with respect, Stephen, I have no respect for people, by the way, who are spending their whole life on social welfare in this country. I don't yeah, know. that's what I'm saying. I can't speak for them people. My question, but my but unfortunately, Stephen, you can't kick them out. They're Irish. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be able to kick anyone out. You shouldn't be able to kick anyone out. You shouldn't be able to kick anyone out without any just reason. You can't strip citizenship from somebody. No, I'm. You, of course you can't. But you, I, sorry, I thought you were going to say you shouldn't be able to deport people because even the EU well, have suggested that. You can deport as many people as, as you deem eligible for it. You know. Mm. But at the same point, you know, if you're as if multiculturalism and integration has failed, why has it failed? Is it the fault of everybody coming to the country, or is it a no, problem with the political system? You're talking about assimilation, not integration. My point is that if the political uh, systems and the NGOs and the, the social services can't provide enough opportunities for people of different ethnic beliefs and different nationalities and different sexualities and different genders or whatever it is 
can't integrate, then there's a problem with the hosts allowing that happening. And you've hit the nail on the head, Stephen. There is a problem with the host, the host being Ireland in this situation. We're incapable of doing it. Because before we even allowed 80,000 Ukrainian people and 26,000 people seeking international protection, they're the numbers that we know about, we already had an accommodation crisis and a housing crisis and a cost of living crisis. We already had all of these things. So then to allow more people to come in and exasperate that problem was a recipe for disaster. I'm not going to disagree with that. But at the same point, we have an an international obligation... We have an, uh, what I'm no saying is, and we, have, we have an obligation to take refugees. Yes, we have a moral obligation. They're coming here from London and Paris. They're coming here from London and Paris. They're not coming here direct from Africa because we don't have flights direct from Africa. We don't have flights direct from Africa. So now you're talking about the first safe country idea. People coming from France are the people that tried to get into Europe in the first place and are not being accepted in France, are being threatened, Why are threatened with deportation. Okay. Why are they not being else? accepted? Well, Stephen, I did have a guy on the, on the radio there, two, was it three nights ago, whatever it was, last week maybe. He'd been to 14 countries. He was from Afghanistan. And he'd been to 14 countries before he came to Ireland. And in every country he went to, he said he was on the streets homeless. And he said he had heard from friends that Ireland would give him somewhere to live. He came here. He now has a small apartment. And he's living in that. So what I'm saying to you is, a lot of them are coming to Ireland because it's a better option, because we seem to be bending over backwards to provide as much as we can. Okay, if bending over backwards means living, leaving thousands of people in emergency second hotel rooms and on the streets with tents and done stores back there. It was their choice from other safe European countries. They decided to come to Ireland. We didn't ask them to come. We didn't ask them to come to Ireland. And now we have to foot the bill for it. I don't see the logic. And I, Stephen, I can't believe that you didn't know all the things that sold on in Sweden. Uh, but that the suburbs of Paris is a no-go area even for the police. Uh, there are suburbs in Dublin, Dublin that are no-go areas for police. And we don't need to and make it And that's from Irish worse, people, not from immigrants. And we don't need to make it any worse, Stephen. We don't need to add fuel. We don't need to add fuel to the fire. I can't believe... What we actually need to do is to start actually investing in the social... We need to start reinvesting properly in the social fabric of society. And that's what I'm saying. We need to invest in everything in the social social fabric of society. Oh, shut up. For God's sake. No, 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 no. Hang, hang on. Tony, I, let's all just calm down for a second. Stephen, there isn't a bottom, well, with the greatest respect, Stephen, there isn't a bottomless pit of money. Do you know what I mean? No, there isn't. And how it's spent and when it's spent and how and who gets it is an important thing, obviously. And you're right. We are physically, mentally, intellectually incapable of doing it. Any political party in Ireland has no actual plan for it. That will, so, that so seems should like it will work. Okay, well then, should, as a nation... We turn around now and say, listen, we have a problem in this country. We've no accommodation. I only spoke to Jackie last night, who's from um, a community in uh, rural Ireland. And she said, rural Ireland has been decimated because you've got small towns that rely on tourism. You might have two restaurants and a bar in the town and a local souvenir shop. There's no tourists because the hotels locally are filled with refugees and asylum seekers and people from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And she said, I've no harm to them. She said, it's not their problem. She said, that's our problem. We normally have tourists in those hotels who would pop down to the local restaurant or the local pub for a drink. She said, it's killing us. 
And she said, but the mm. government have no plan because we have nowhere for people to live. And she said, like, and I agree with her. Why can't the government just say, we're stopping now? We'll look, look at the situation in six months and see where we are. And if we can do more in six months, let's do more in six months. But right now, let's just stop. Why can't they do that, Stephen? We have been, we have we have told Europe, we have told Ukraine not to send people. But here. they're still we've taking said, them we've in. We said that two and three times. I know, but at the same point, we can't literally up a drawbridge and stop everything. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Of course, you can. Why can't you? So, why so can't do we have every other country? So you you just you just say to the EU, listen, we we don't want to bring people in this country and have them living in tents in a field. So we would rather other countries. Can you talk to other countries and negotiate with other countries to take the individuals that are coming to are trying to come to Ireland? I'm not suggesting oh, abandoning people. Plane. Just don't let them off the plane. Just don't let them off the airplane if there's no identification, if there's no job to go to. I mean, we have to be logical too, Stephen. It's not racist to suggest that we're doing as much as we can, but we look, we just can't do any more. That's not racist. No, it isn't. I, I would never call it racist or far right or any other nonsense like that either. All I'm saying is we can't. All I'm saying is that we can't unilaterally turn off the tap because it won't work. Okay, well, hold on for a second. I got to go to a quick seven-second break, and I got to go to Morris, and I got to go to Bernie as well. Actually, Bernie first, and then I got to go to Morris. Uh, let me just take this quick break. It's very difficult for me to get organised. My poor producer, God bless him, he's still in the hospital. I hope he has a speedy recovery. All right, so so do I. Yeah. The Nile Boylan Podcast. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text Ireland on 085 100 2255. Did I say that too fast? Slow it down. <laughs> that was me trying to do the effect. <laughs> 085 100 2255. The Nile Boylan Podcast. Bertie, hi, how are you doing? Bye, Niall. How are you today? I'm good. So, Bernie, I mean, multiculturalism, back to the original question, kind of ventured off again into immigration. Um, multiculturalism, does it work? No, I don't think it does. Well, then why, like did, it, why have... did it work up to now? I mean, we didn't have an issue with people coming over and working in Google and working in Facebook and working in PayPal and YouTube and all the diversity we've had up to the last four or five years. We had no issue with it. They were living in our communities and no problem. But all of a sudden, we do yeah, have an issue. Yeah, we do because um, there's too many people getting coming here and taking everything for. They get free education, they get free university places, they get free everything, and our people are struggling. And I don't think it's right if you're going to put your own people down and put the rights of other people who come in here with nothing and give them everything. Like, what about the... I can't send all my kids to college because I couldn't afford the fees. I can't have people living in Dublin because there's nowhere to live. Like, why not look after the people who are here first, ourselves, and then share out the goods when we've rectified what's here? Like, mm. what about the people on waiting lists, the children who are being screwed over with all that terrible stuff, and you know, the children's hospitals that's been missed? You know, our people on waiting lists for surgery. Why can't you look after your own people wrong first? It's not illegal. It's not wrong to do that. We have to look after our own people first. And, you know, if they're giving somebody from uh, the Ukraine or uh, Uganda or wherever they're from a free college place, why can't my child have it? I paid my tax. These people haven't, a lot of them. They get free everything. And I they get they get their families well, yeah, but, but if somebody in this country I don't understand okay but, 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 but really yeah but Bernie and I, I want to say this just to be fair if somebody in this country doesn't have much money or they're on a very low income or they're unemployed and they have a child that wants to go to college they can get a Susie grant 
But you had the paperwork and the bend back bending you have to do to get to Susie Grant. If you're one or two euro over it, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, I get you. I get you. Anything. You know, I mean, I paid tax all my life. I went, to, I did weekends, night duty, everything to keep to keep my head above water. And yet, people can walk in here and get everything handed to them on a plate. And because I'm two euro over the the, the limit. I'm screwed and I have to find the money for my child to go to college, which I'll be honest, I couldn't afford. So I couldn't send my children to college. And, and, and you know, they have now later in life had to try to find their own way in this world. Mm-hmm. And I feel really bad, but there wasn't any, there wasn't an, an infinite pot of money here for them to dip into. Yeah. And like the same with a waiting list. I'm waiting to have a hip looked at. I'm waiting for the last two and a half years. I've worked in the HSC. I have no strings or anything I can pull, but I see people walking around here with the finest hip replacements and they're out in the country about week. And I really am trying to no, be... And, 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 no, you're right. And, and by the way, I also mentioned as well that, you know, in Britain, for example, when it comes to even Ukrainian refugees, uh, they the British government has said, right, you, you come here and for six months we'll support you and, you know, make sure you're accommodated and everything else. But after that, you're on your own. You're just like any other citizen. You have to make your own way in this world. Whereas here in Ireland, there seems to be no end to the support we want to give. And I know people have been given out. Somebody was on to be there last week. They've been waiting two years to try and get a medical card. They have cancer and they can't get a medical card. And yet every Ukrainian and refugee that walks into this country is handed a medical card. You know, so I, I do. I, there is an un, it is an unfair system. I, I grant you that. And that's what causes the divide and the division. Like, I mean, you know, all this call into prayer and all this other cultures that we know nothing about. We haven't been to, they don't take our culture on board. They, they just, anything we have that has been culturally sound for us for the last couple of generations is cast aside like it's all of a sudden it's got gender inappropriate or some word they put on woke or something. But we've followed that for centuries. That has been our culture. But does it so sadden you? Does it sadden you as an Irish person that... We're not going to be able to keep Ireland the way it was, you know, for many, many years. That's kind of, you know. I'm heartbroken. I'm I'm heartbroken, Niall, because I'm very proud of my country and my culture. I reared my children here and I did everything for my kids and my grandkids. And I thought it was leaving a nice, decent society for them. Okay, there was a few handles missing and there was a few things we could improve. But it's not the country I'm going to be happy leaving this planet for. And it was once upon a time, not many years ago. This was a very proud country and we went abroad and we stood at the airport and said goodbye to our loved ones who had to go abroad because there was no jobs here, there was nothing. And they went across and they blended into Australia and New Zealand, dying for the days to get home. And some of them are trying to get back home and it's nearly impossible. They can't even, you know, you know, can't even access their bank accounts or they can't access the PPS number that they had before they left. And like they sold up everything because there was nothing for them in the 70s and 80s. I'm not talking a million years ago. I stood out at that airport so, watching my nursing. So what, nursing so what sort of country do you think you're, we're leaving for the next generation? A horrific mess of a country with no, no proper guidance or structures in place. Like they're trying to take everything we ever had away from us. And, you know, we're, we're, I don't know what we're going to be. Okay. But it's not the country I wanted to be. Okay, stay there for a second, Bernie, if you can. Really? I mean, well, hang on, let me go to Morris. Morris, very saddened listen to what Bernie has to say there, and I don't disagree with a lot of what she says. Um, it's not the country it used to be, uh, and she feels saddened that she wanted to leave a country, the, the country she grew up, you know, to her grandchildren, but she believes we're leaving them a mess. Yeah, and to be honest, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, there's a few, there was a, uh, I can't think of his name, was it Stephen? He said a lot of in- misinformation. The reason why multiculturalism, I'm not sure if you understand the term multiculturalism, but that, that, that means bringing your culture 
and basically implementing it in your own ethnic way. pluralism. Is it? I think is not the other word they use. In the country that you're building. Yeah, ethnic pluralism. Like, yeah, yeah. So, for instance, if Irish people went to America, we blended in. We waved the American flag. We did all the stuff that the rest of the Americans did. Um, you know, we didn't impose, like, let's say, for instance, this country used to be very religious. We didn't go over to America and then impose our Catholic religion on wherever we were in America. Where, and, you know, we didn't do that. And also a big issue is people never had a vote on on this particular issue and in relation to citizenship. It's far too easy uh, to um, guess our citizenship. It, all you need is five years and it's it, it's it's not very hard. I, I, I know I know people who have got it in less than five years. Yeah, it's mm. like if you go to Austria, for instance, you it takes fourteen years. You get rigorously tested by someone from the government is sent out to you, and you, they have to you have to show how integrated you are to community. Your language skills has to be nearly as good as the the natives who mm. live there. You know, you have to be maybe part of tidy towns or whatever it is in Austria. Yeah. Why don't we have something like that here? And also. You know, we, you shouldn't be allowed to um, to avail of social housing or just, uh, social welfare. Like, for instance, that was a big that was a big thing that David Cameron got from the, uh, Merkel when he tried to negotiate back in the early years of his of his term. Um, but that wasn't good enough, and they had a Brexit referendum. But like, people at the end of the day are paying higher taxes for all of this. And what will happen when the cap when when the corporation tax isn't as high as it is? What do we do then when we start going back where we were in 2012, 2011, 2010? Okay, no, I, I get what you're saying. I'm sorry, I have three more people to get to before I finish today. Morris, thank you very much indeed. Let me go to Jason as well. Jason, hi, how are you? Um, so, Jason, go ahead. Um, well, my, I suppose the reason people are probably sceptical, and there is a lot, they seem to build communities within communities. Like, when they come over, they'll go into an area and then they'll assimilate and then... The people from the area start moving out, and more and more of the people from that country will start moving into that area. Well, because that's what happens. They, they, I mean, that, I, yeah, I'm and sorry, and Morris mentioned America. Ireland, the Irish did that in America as well, you know. Oh, no, did everybody that, but I, I mean, they, when they say we went over to America and Australia, we went to predominantly white areas and we. Irish we communities, with, yeah. We with, with predominantly, but we went to white countries. These are people coming from the Middle East and Africa who are just totally different looking than us, and that's what it and is. It's, 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 not, it's not about how somebody looks. I think, I know, I, but Noel, it's, that's the way it is and people are saying we've had it for years yeah but the, there wasn't as many but now all we see on the news is boatloads and boatloads and boatloads I mean look what's coming in from Italy and I mean as for what's going on out in England no, I spend a lot of time out there um, depending on what side you're on it, it depends you're, she's either a hero or she's a villain Suella Bray, you're talking about Suella Braverman, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's in, she's in, from immigrant family herself. That's right. Yeah. And it's like we got in, pull up the bridge. No, I don't, I don't think so. That, I mean, people are criticizing her saying, well, hold on, you're from an immigrant family yourself. How dare you say this, right? But that's like saying to somebody, just because you have kids, you can't turn around later in life and say, I recommend people don't have kids. Do you know what I mean? But you're now, it's okay, it's okay for her to say that. But, but, all yeah. right. but Niall, that's the way she's being portrayed out there. And depending on what side of the, 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 the paper, what paper you pick up, like people are, are out there are known for the paper. You're either, you know, fully right or you're, you're, you're fully labor. I mean, it's mental what's going on. And over here, we're looking at that. And well, she, to be honest with you, judging by what I read this morning, and I, and I had a little bit of reading this morning in relation to multiculturalism, just in, for the show, and 
there isn't a lot of evidence anywhere in the world, with the exception of some countries where you could kind of say it kind of worked. Australia would be one. Uh, Brazil, for example, has a lot well, of different ethnic minorities. minorities. I, I'm not saying it worked 100%, but people yeah. did get on after after a generation. In other words, it takes a generation. But, it, I mean, even look at some of these areas. I mean, look at some of the videos coming out and it's religious wars or it's it's two groups from different tribes back in the Middle East that have come to, say, Australia and they're both living in different areas. And we've seen the videos of them clashing. I mean, go to England. Look at certain parents. I know, so we've seen the videos in Paris recently, for God's sake. And they're killing each other. And they're killing each other. So you're, you're bringing them tribes from there over to here, trying to assimilate them into our cultures and our countries. But all they're doing is creating your own communities within our communities and then going back to war with each other. Okay well, okay, well, hang on, Jason. I'm sorry I'm cutting everybody a bit short today, but I've just so many people to get through. Nicola, hi, how are you? Hi, now. Thank I'd... you for following me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Nicola, um, multiculturalism, does it work? Well, I can't see uh, an example where it actually has worked, to be honest, in the world. I, there I are very know. few, yes, there are very few. Yeah. Um, now, today I was contacting your show and I've, I've been listening to your podcast lately and I was like, thank God, <laughs> finally somebody who was speaking an ounce of sense. And I would have kind of classed myself as very on the left, very liberal person. Um, but, uh, you know, my views are starting to kind of change a little bit in the last while. And the reason for that... Um, it's a lot to do with housing and, mm-hmm. and what's actually happening at the moment. And where I live in the northwest, you know, I'm I'm currently on the housing list myself. Um, I can't work due to having a child with a severe disability. You know, I have to rely on the carers allowance. Definitely not my choice, definitely not what I wanted in my life, but here we are. And I'm on the housing list for like six years. Um, I have to provide a, a, a house for my son. And I've just seen these modular houses going up in a very desirable area in in my town and you know nothing has been done mm-hmm. for the likes of you know um, no 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 I, I know and, and that happened in Cork too in Middleton and Cork you yeah, know for, with um, Ukrainian people um, given modular homes and a lot of people who were on the housing list for 10 years and said I would have been happy with one of those you know what I mean exactly. well, just uh, you know and I'm just living in fear all the time of that um, eviction notice and with a child with autism I can't end up in emergency accommodation. I, I simply couldn't do it with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so that fear is there all the well, time. See, isn't, this, well, isn't this the government's fault? I mean, how can you continue to allow people to, you know, flood into a country from whatever it is, Ukraine or international protection, when we already have a serious housing crisis and nowhere for people to live? Crisis, exactly. And another one billion to go towards that this year. Yeah, well, um, that's that's right in the budget. Another, another billion on top of the billions we've already spent. My question, I suppose, and the thing I'm puzzling over at the moment is what's the end goal here? What is actually the end goal? What is actually, what, what is the most... Well, my, my, my personal theory on it is if you looked at news yesterday from CSO that we have an ageing population and the government are thinking 30 years ahead that we need to increase the population of the young people in the country. Okay, well, we could, we could see that as a valid point, but most of what are coming in are unskilled workers. So Yes. But but I, suppo- I suppose the, the argument is, and it's not my argument, but their argument is, they may be unskilled workers, but they will have four or five children, um, you know, in the next generation who may not be unskilled, who will go to get educated, go to college and get a very good job. So okay. it's it's thinking long term. You know, I don't I don't agree with this, by the way. I think you of obviously, have, I, think it's, I think it's quite reckless, actually, but however. Absolutely reckless. But again, you know, I mean, how are those people going to support the country if they can't find anywhere to live and they can't afford to live? 
Yeah, well, I don't know what we're going to do while we're waiting for all that to happen in the next 30 years. I mean, we don't have the money to continue doing that, what we're doing at the moment, which is providing welfare payments and accommodation for everybody who comes into the country. We can't just keep doing that. Yeah. You know? So, you know, what's the answer? What do we actually do now? Because, you know, I'm looking around and I'm, I'm actually asking myself, who will I vote for for the next election? And I can't actually see a single party that represents... No, because they're all the same. They all feel the same way. That's the problem. It's not like politics was years ago where you had an opposition. We don't have an opposition anymore. Sinn Féin are useless. Useless. And, you know, I was actually, you know, for, for a long time I was thinking Sinn Féin myself and I'm looking at them and kind of going, oh no, definitely not. No. <laughs> um, no, I keep telling everybody they're just a cheek of the same arse. You know what I mean? That's, uh... I like that phrase. Yeah, yep, they they I mean they've been I have to say it's been the quietest opposition party since I've oh, right. since I've been looking at politics for the last 40 years, 50 years. They're the quietest opposition party. Well, now they're very vocal on, on homelessness and housing crisis, but I haven't heard a single person talk about the fact that behind the scenes we're taking in all these immigrants and we've got nowhere to put them. Mm-hmm. No, and you're right, it's, Nicola, it's time to say stop. And people have spoken, 76% of the population in the Red Sea Poll said stop. But they won't stop, which means, by the way, it's completely undemocratic, it's reckless, and they're not even listening to the people anymore. Um, thank you, Nicola, for that. Thank you very much indeed. Sorry, I need to go to Tina and John before I finish. Tina, hi, hi how are you? Hi, Niall, how is, how's it going? Good, Tina, and I'm sorry for rushing everybody, but I'm just limited to time now. But go ahead, Tina. No yeah, no, just... Um, like, I feel sorry, like, I'm married to an immigrant and we have three kids uh, together, mm, right? Yeah. So I, I I, guess, I guess kind of two sides of what's going on here. I'm a very rational, logical, reasonable person. And, um, you know, it's bound to happen, like you said, in the generations to come. Um, our, my kids will grow up and they're Irish citizens. But yes, they have a, a different culture as well. Like, so we try and, you know... Yeah make them see both sides or whatever but will it work long term I don't know like it's very difficult even within the marriage it's very difficult you know you have to be very understanding but and I luckily my husband you know he's not one of the ones who come over here and kind of say I'm not following any of your rules your societal rules um, I'm going to stick with my own religion I'm yeah he's integrated and he's assimilated he's, into Irish he's society he's integrated yeah. he's working he's paying tax and all the rest of it and he's he, you know he's a, a, a good person he's a good person but I really believe that there is a huge problem here and one of the problems is the, the government none of the parties like your last caller there was you know, none of them are, are speaking for the people anymore because they're all just singing off the same hymn sheet from Europe. And w- one other caller said, up the drawbridge. Yes, we, we should up the drawbridge. 100% we should up the drawbridge. We are an island. Mm-hmm. You stop people from coming in right now. This is not going to... We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the services. We don't have this stuff for um, the amount of immigrants yeah. coming and, in. And, but and, can I point out, we should continue to allow people to come in to work if they want to come in on a visa programme because we do have an official visa programme. So if people, you know, if Google or, or whatever want to bring in staff, yeah, absolutely. If if they're coming in to work and they're able to work, yes. fine. They're paying into the system. But we're talking no about asylum seekers and refugees. I think at the moment we just have to take a break and we have to say, listen, there's no yeah. point in us bringing people into this country or allowing people into this country to have them living in a field in the middle of where the electric picnic was. So yeah. that, that's, some other that's pointless. As well, Niall, some other points, like they're, they're all coming in, right, um, for economic reasons. They're all coming for a better life. And look, everybody would if they were given half the opportunity coming from a place like back Balearic backwards, 
I, you know, you know the mm. place where we're talking about, right? Yeah. But the problem is, they, they come over and they all, they send every penny back, so the the money isn't staying in the Irish um, system. Now it is to a certain extent because they have to live here and buy stuff here, yeah. right? But every every spare penny goes actually back to the families, and that is like a common trend. You know, it's a common trend. Okay. And that's what we did as Irish immigrants as well, right? So that's Oh, we that did, money. yeah. We went to England and sent money home too. There was a time when we did yeah. that too. But I, no, I get I get the point you're making that, you know, as long as people are willing to assimilate and integrate, you don't see an issue with it and they're willing to work. But unfortunately, we have a situation now where we're taking people in who are dependent sure. on the system and social welfare. Yeah, if they're here, they follow our rules. They, they respect our culture and our society. And if they don't like it, go home. Okay, that's Tina, thank you very much indeed for that. Sorry, I have to go finally go to John. John, hi, how are you? Hello there. I've only a few seconds, I believe, so I'm going to rush through this. Okay, team. go ahead. Well, the definition of madness is repeating the same mistakes as, as happened in Sweden, Germany, Italy, Denmark, France, the Netherlands. Pure stupidity. The Prime Minister of Poland has taken in two million Ukrainians and said not one Muslim would cross his borders or get refuge there. Ditto Hungary. There are menial jobs aplenty in Ireland to be filled, of course, but when will the economic migrant, now in receipt of daily meals, direct provisional largesse, and all subsidised by the taxpayer, ever be able to rent any habitation or buy food on these wages? The smarter ones, of course, will turn to criminality one kind or another. I know a nurse from Ghana, lured here by the HSC and renting a room for €800 a month, Fine, you say. She came here hoping her family could eventually join her. She was quickly disabused of this because it will never happen. 80% of her after tax salary would be swallowed up by a small apartment in Dublin if she could even succeed in finding Mm. one. New multi-storey apartment developments in Dublin now are being bought by German pension funds rented to the Department of Justice and local authorities on 25-year leases. Some of our overseas guests will be lucky enough to get into one of these at a peppercorn rent and allowed to work in low-wage jobs. Billions of money of cash of euros is being transferred to German pension funds and vulture funds, and those of us earning a taxable income will foot this bill for decades. Now, 5 to 10% of the world's population, we're told, are gay or something else. So... These people are not well tolerated in Muslim nations even today. So can we take in every gay guest who requests asylum on the basis that he is being persecuted for his sexual inclination? They are, well, Suella Braveman says no, but the, well, the UN has said yes. But Suella yeah. Braveman said no. But, but, but just very quickly, because I just need to get to the actual nub of the question. Do you believe personally multiculturalism works? I don't think so. Now, when it comes down to the two most Semite nations in the world are Jews and Muslims, actually. They are totally intolerant of other religions and other people, generally. And you can never become a Muslim. or be, Well, you can actually become a Jew or a Muslim, but by God, you have to go through enough other hoops to change your religion there. Okay, so, so, so you're, you, as far as you're concerned, the answer is no. No, if a Muslim... But there are examples, some examples around the world where it has, well, it's been forced to work. Yeah, in America, in that you have now Jewish women marrying Christians or 
Yes, interracial marriages, etc. Yeah, but perfect. I mean, that was something that wasn't acceptable 50 years ago, but now very much tolerated. So what I'm saying is we have become a more tolerant society. Yeah, oh, yeah, but the Jews have not really become more tolerant because if you're a Jewish, for example... Well, no, we, 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 we've seen that in Ireland. When, when the Muslim population increased in Ireland, the Jewish population decreased because they left. I thought, was that the reason? They yeah, well, I, somebody told me that recently that we went from having at one stage, was it for, I, no, I could be wrong, so I might be corrected on this, four and a half to 5,000 Jewish people living in Ireland, but I think there's only 1,200 now. We never have many Jews in Ireland. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I think there's about 1,200 Jewish people in this country, and that number seemingly started to decline, maybe the coincidental, as the Muslim population increased. But that seemingly that's been replicated in many countries around the world as the Muslim population increases, the Jewish population decreases because the, the two will never want to live in the same country. Anyway, listen, on that note, John, I have to wrap it up because I'm gone way over time. Thank you very much indeed. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the show today. Don't forget, please support the show. As you see, we went through about 30 callers there today. We stayed later, more than the air, obviously an hour and a half. And the reason is that I want to give you an opportunity to have a voice. I didn't silence anybody. I didn't shut anybody up. I obviously have an obligation to question and challenge people's views. And that's just the way we do it. And that gives us all an opportunity to be fair. So the idea is it's your podcast. It's not mine. It's yours. It's your platform. I'm offering it to you every single day to have your view. An opportunity to say things that you're not allowed to say normally on radio. You're not allowed to say in the mainstream media, as they call it, inverted commas, mainstream media. We're giving you that opportunity, and I want to continue to do it. But remember, it costs money for us to do this. It costs time, and it costs money. There's three of us, well, two of us at the moment, because one is still in hospital. But it's costing us time and money to do it. I'm not expecting to make a huge amount of money out of it. I don't want to be a millionaire. I still have my job in radio. That pays my salary. So all I want to do is let it cover its costs. And you can help us do that. Please support us. Go to our website if you want to support us. That's the best way to do it. You can subscribe on Twitter there and you can get to watch the videos each day. Each day. But it's much easier to do it on the website because then you can choose whichever videos you want to watch instead of scrolling through Twitter. Um, so if you want to, by the way, and just to remind you again, we will never ever charge you for watching us during the day or listening to us during the day. It's always going to be free. And the reason for that is because we know that everybody during a, particularly during a crisis where people don't have the cash to pay, some people can't pay. And I understand that. And by the way, you're welcome to listen and watch just as much as everybody else if you can't afford to pay. But if you want to go to our website, you can download all the episodes for free from the website and Spotify and all the usual outlets free of charge. But if you want to watch them, the previous episodes and watch the videos of them and some of the interviews that we've had and some exclusive interviews that we didn't actually stream live, we've put them up on our website there's hundreds of them there now. And all we ask you for is a fiver a month. A little over a fiver a month. The price of a pint of beer. You can pay it yearly. It's a bit cheaper, by the way. Um, so we ask you for the price of a pint of beer. So I'm asking you to support us. Thank you to everybody who already did. We really appreciate it. Yes, I'm a screwdriver in my hand. I can't. I always have things in my hand. Uh, yes, we really appreciate you supporting us. To those who haven't supported us yet, please try. It does really help us out. Go to the website, Nile boiling.com do it now and we really appreciate it thank you very much indeed I'll be back again with you tomorrow at 12 until then thanks very much the multi award winning Niall Boylan podcast listen live on Facebook YouTube and all the usual live stream services to get in touch just WhatsApp or text 085 100 2255 the Niall Boylan podcast they told me to shut up available for download from all your usual platforms.